0: Well, hello everybody and thanks for tuning in again to another exciting episode of The Madam's Cast. Uh, A little bit of housekeeping, save us every week, please, if you're going to listen or share. Thank you very much, firstly. But secondly, please can you download rather than streaming because it helps us to get bigger numbers and then more people can find us more easily. That'd be great. Thanks very much. So we've had some great chats recently on The Madam's Cast, but it's been quite sort of chef heavy and we've had a bit of farming, we've had a couple of food makers, but what I really wanted to do was one of my first loves is foraging. And so I'm very lucky today that we have a very prominent UK forager here with me live uh, across the magic of the internet. Lisa, are you there? Lisa Cutcliffe?
1: (laughs) I'm here, lovely to be here.
0: Oh, excellent, thank you. Uh, Thanks for coming, thanks for coming. Um, Now, Lisa, I know who you are because I've, well, or at least I feel like I know who you are because I follow you on Instagram, but that can be a very dangerous assumption to make. So could you give us a little introduction about who you are and what you do, please?
1: Yeah, I, I know what you mean about Instagram. You do like feel that you know people, don't you? you think, hang on, we've never actually met. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm Lisa and I live in Leeds at the minute um, and I teach foraging and... I, I tend to refer to myself as a wild food specialist because it's my absolute passion and it's what I get up for in the morning and what I love to do in every available moment that I have um, is to go foraging for myself or to be running courses so that I can teach all kinds of people actually about wild food um, from kids and families up to just interested foodie or nature loving adults and chefs as well mixologist you know whoever wants to know
0: brilliant brilliant so it's a very broad church and the doors are open and and just briefly before we go on any further how do we find you if we'd like to follow you uh on instagram or check out your website or whatever
1: sure yeah well my website has links to all my social media channels but i live probably most of the time in my instagram feed because it's so visual because i love taking photos as well as creating art and wonder in food. So I tend to update that the most. So if you want to see what I'm up to, what's going on and announcements for any courses when I'm able to run them again, um, that's probably a good place to follow me. So I'm at edulis wild food. That's E D U L I S, which means edible in Latin. Um, and it's also, it the, it yeah. And it's also belitus edulis. It, it's the, the, the penny bun, the set, um which is what started my Shh, journey don't tell you
0: <laughs> they don't grow here in the united kingdom um, you, you won't find those you'll find a very poisonous look-alike i'd stay away from them <laughs> if i were
1: you yeah so edulouswildfood.co.uk is my website um and that's my handle on everything else as well so you should be able to find excellent them.
0: you are very easy or easier to find than a penny button that's for sure now um, <laughs> how did you <laughs> Before we dive into the sort of structured middle part of the show, I would like you to tell me um, a couple of things. How, what was the first plant you, or first food stuff that you ever foraged from the wild?
1: Oh Probably blackberries with my mum and dad when I was a, a wee nipper. Yeah yeah,
0: yeah, and yeah.
1: also my I dad. Pretty... My dad also used to make elderberry wine when i was young and when he had a bit more time before we had all three kids probably <laughs> um, and he he used to get us to help him go and pick all the elderberries and pick them all off the stems it would just be sort of a family afternoon we'd, we'd sit with this big tarp in the middle of the lounge with all the sprigs of elderberries that we picked along with the archery course he used to go to when when he had time for that sort of thing and um We'd, we'd just sit there with forks and we'd just pick them all off and we'd, we'd chat and we'd laugh and sort of all the kids would get involved. And we, we didn't really care that we couldn't have the wine or whatever. It was just a lovely thing to sit around and do together. So um, I remember yeah. doing that yeah, as well.
0: Yeah. Oh, that's a nice little memory to immerse myself in. Yeah, I really like that. I really like My kids hate me when I take them foraging. <laughs> they're not too bad on the blackberries, but when I take them for mushrooms, they're like, oh, we're fed up of walking around the woods now, Dad can we go home? shut up eat your last bars we're going to carry on for another hour at least um <laughs> uh, but there we go that's my own experience and i shouldn't let it blacken your happy memories um so so those are good i think blackberries are pretty much I mean, a lot of people say to me well, i've never foraged anything i, I, I want to know how to get into it and i like yeah. guarantee you that there's three things you already know um, and i'm not a professional forager like you okay i'm a sort of I'm an enthusiastic amateur, um, but I would say most people, by the time they're 10, can identify a blackberry, uh, a stinging nettle, and a dock leaf, all of which have useful edible properties. And I'm like, oh, yeah. well, there you go. If you, you know, unless you've literally lived in a cage, you, you you would have found those three. So I, that's a good way in. And then people start to realise they know a bit more uh, than perhaps they thought. And, and that's quite a nice sort of mind-opener. Um <clears throat> Brilliant. Fantastic. Okay, great. And so that was your first forage. What was the last thing you foraged? What was your most recent forage?
1: Ooh. Yesterday, I picked some pineapple weed. I picked a few things yesterday, which I was deciding which the last thing I foraged was. Okay, yeah. So yesterday, I picked some elderflowers, some rose petals, and some pineapple weed. And they were all to make Turkish delight with because... Um, it's okay to say this now because by the time this goes out, it'll be past. but um, on Sunday it's yeah. Father's Day and I'm making this to, uh, my dad loves Turkish delight and we I always give him some every year, whether it's Father's Day, birthday or Christmas, or at least once a year I'll give him some Turkish delight amongst other things. And I decided was... to make some wild Turkish delight. So I've made a rose petal one, an elderflower and lemon one. So they're the sort of take on the traditional. But I've also made a yeah. pineapple weed, Lime and mint, uh, forage mint, one as well, oh, just as an mint, experiment. Which mint was it? Well, actually, there were three. <laughs> um, there's black, <laughs> there's black peppermint, apple mint, and um, just garden mint, I think.
0: Okay, okay. W- water mint's the one that we find a lot of around yes. here. But, yeah. Um, it can go a bit easily, can't it? If you have too much of it, and then pineapple weed. You need mm. to. You need to enlighten me. What is pineapple weed?
1: It's a member of the daisy family. It's very similar to chamomile, if you've ever had that. Um, yeah. And it's it's got a chamomile quality to it, but it, it just has no petals. So if you look up closely, it's just like the centre of a chamomile flower, sort of big okay. domed um, cushion of pollen and, and many, many flowers. And that's all that there is. So it's like this little microphone, and they're sort of lime green rather than a, a egg yolk yellow like a um, chamomile and if you look really really closely there is a little tiny ring of white dots which is the petals that have just over evolution have just disappeared and disappeared to the tiniest little nubs at the bottom so it looks like this alien plant it's absolutely beautiful but if you squeeze that flower and you smell it it is just pineapple unbelievable
0: and who needs who needs petals if you smell like pineapple well that's right and do the leaves are they do they look a bit like the chamomile leaves as well because that's quite sort of frondy, isn't it it's a exactly sort of...
1: yeah so they're really uh, okay. small oh, quite quite tiny uh, very fine and they do all taste of pineapple as well but the sweetest part is the flower um, so you could put it in salads and things but i think it's a bit bitter if you just eat it raw whereas if you mix it with something sweet or just had it in a tea even um you have it in a tea and also linden blossom comes out about now so it's the lime tree not the citrus lime, really, right. um, the Tilia, the linden okay. trees. And I find that those two you know,
0: together. Stop now with your <laughs> superior foraging knowledge. There'll be plenty of other opportunities for you to whip it out and bash me over the head with it. I can't wait. <laughs> and this is the thing. people ask me to go foraging with them. They say, oh, will you take me foraging? And I'm like, no. Because what you don't realise is I'm mostly bumbling around, trying to work out what everything is. It's no good asking me. So I want to come and one of your course. It's Lisa. And that was yeah. my plan this year. I promised. If I was going to come up there, and there's another guy in Leeds, Anytime. is he called Edible Leeds?
1: Yeah, Craig. I don't
0: know. yeah, there you go. I wanted to come, I wanted to. He seemed quite groovy as well. I thought I might go and check him oh, out. He's a star. Um, yeah, so I had this plan to go and do that, and then I thought, well, I might as well go all the way up to Scotland and go and find. Is it Mark Williams? Mark Edwards, Can't definitely remember. go and anyway,
1: see Mark Williams.
0: Like, yeah, he's the guy. I mean, he's like, uh, you know, I mean not often I fall in love with a man but I could see it happening there.
1: Easy to um, do, easy to do.
0: It's easy to do and I thought <laughs> well I might as well just turn this into a massive UK wide foraging excursion oh, whereby I, I go round and, and nick everyone's knowledge and share it again <laughs> because that's how life gets better um, but something's got in the way of a bit of travelling this year so mm. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna remotely try and get in touch with you all and that that is why we're starting here which is so it's great to have you here it's really oh, good to have I you here it. before we launch into the the main bit i've got a, a hypothesis for you hmm. people who like foraging don't like gardening and gardeners <gasps> don't like foraging
1: outrageous
0: outrageous
1: i love gardening do you, do you go, oh no
0: damn, <laughs> damn. I've been, I've been building up this theory for years that foragers, loosely based around the idea that I know what I'm like, and I like foraging. And the idea was that foragers are more instant gratification people, can't be asked with all the careful planning of gardening. Oh, I don't know. And gardeners don't like foragers because they're only interested in the end result, they're not worried about the process. And I'm like, mm. well, that's not quite true because lots of foragers are interested in the process of stuff. But I know uh, you've just dashed my theory on the rocks. <laughs>
1: But the thing is, if you love foraging so much, you don't really have time to do a garden properly unless you literally don't have any other jobs or commitments in life, like kids and things. So it is very hard to do both with you know, full gusto just because of time. So for me, lately, I've definitely been foraging more over the last few years. Plus, I've got a postage stamp of garden in front of this house. But it hasn't mattered since I've found foraging because the whole world is my garden now. But it's... Yeah, I love gardening. I've always loved it. And when I have a bigger garden that I can put more permanent edibles in, I will have a big garden full of edibles, um, beautiful as well as functional. And just, my, I want my whole garden to be edible. And I'll basically put things that will look after themselves so I can also still go off foraging. But yeah, I will always have a garden or I will always want one. Um, and okay. I want it full of food.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah, exactly. Well, some things are beautiful to look at, and that's a good enough reason for them to exist, and we need them for pollinators and biodiversity Ooh. and all that stuff, but I'm, I'm so with you, my garden. Edible. Yeah, well, aren't they just, aren't they just, dog roses, for example, I think yeah. we were just talking about rose petals, but um, okay, right, you and I could clearly sit here and blether at each other for the oh, next yes. hour without any trouble at all uh, talking about wild stuff and me trying <laughs> to sort of steal your knowledge, but... We're here with a purpose, and today's purpose is for you to nominate three things or or discuss or propose three things that you would like to change about the world of food, and that can be food production, food foraging, uh, food literature, anything, any, it's a really broad spectrum of stuff for you to choose from. You can be as lighthearted about it as you like, you can be as serious about it as you want, it's a conversation, it's a chit-chat you can do it however you like so um, without any pressure what's your number one
1: uh, well first I guess the first one's a serious one and in, in that I'm so worried about how much crappy processed food is available especially at the um, lower income end of the market it, it's you can get Food for virtually nothing, but it's it's not good for you, it's horrible. And and some people just they perceive fresh stuff as just too expensive and all of this sort of thing, or well, they're just not interested. They're such sugar and fat junkies now as a society that I think we've lost we've lost that craving for bitterness and for all the things that help with a healthy digestion. And it worries me that yeah, we're sugar junkies and we're we want instant things. So I'm loving that there is a a movement again towards slow food and making things from scratch. And I'm really pleased to see that. But equally, it's still a massive issue that people just have no relationship with food anymore other than to just eat rubbish that they may or may not know is rubbish. And even these sort of healthy ready meals or um, this sort of, these services where you get all the stuff arriving to you, but it's in a billion little plastic containers. And it's just, oh, it, it just scares me, really scares me. And I'm lucky enough to be able to afford whatever food I want within reason, you know, I can, I can feed myself from the bushes and from the supermarket. I know that that's not something that I have to think about. Where is my next meal going to come from? I'm grateful for that, but yeah. I, what I choose to go and buy, you know, is very carefully thought out for me, and I know where it comes from. I care about where it's come from. I'm not eating so much meat these days, although I do love meat. Um, but I, you know, I'm I'm just thinking about it and keeping changing my moving towards yeah. the best things I can afford to buy and to use, with some forage stuff in there as well, or anything I can grow in the garden, and it's just. It's shocking the amount of people who come on my courses and and or they they haven't got a clue what where some things come from or that they might be related to something we eat and um but what's worse you go into certain schools especially if they're quite into quite deprived areas, you know that they aren't they're not always even sure. They didn't understand that a carrot is a root of a plant and that sort of thing. And it's you know, sometimes you have to start from absolute basics with them before you start talking about foraging. It's quite interesting.
0: Yeah. 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 Well, that's a good thing, though, isn't it? Starting with the basics. I think, you know, the terrible trouble with knowing a little bit about something, or in your case, a lot about something, is that you then start to assume that level of knowledge as a basic. I come up against this a lot particularly in the podcast actually because i'm talking to other people and we will take stuff for red or or make assumptions Mm. um that you know that you know that you understand what sustainability looks like or you understand what biodiversity is or you know and actually you can't take that for granted i don't think it's necessarily taught at school or it's not taught at school in the right way it's certainly not taught at school with in terms of um relationship to food food and we can't blame everything on the schools, right? Most oh, children no. have parents, and and we, you yeah. know, you got to take some kind of responsibility for educating them yourselves, um, whether whether they're interested in going foraging for another four hours across the dank <laughs> woodland or not. Um, it, it, it it's one of those, and I, I I think you're right. I think that connection is the important bit. If you can get people, and they don't have to be children. People often say we need to get children's hands dirty, but actually, they don't need to be children. Grown ups are allowed to learn too. And they're mm-hmm. allowed to change their mind, and they're allowed to have an opinion, and then uh, you know change it as they go along. And I think it's important that we let. And right, so um, what am I trying to say? Here's a good example, right? Wild garlic. Yeah. Right. Instagram gets flooded with wild garlic, and it becomes hilarious. It gets to this point where it's like, look, come on, people, you know, there's a really interesting sandwich making guy in London uh, called Max. And uh, he makes these funky sandwiches and they're quite sort of cool and they're quite, you know, they're quite indulgent. You wouldn't want to eat one every day. But (laughs) he said, look, for God's sake, people, it's a native plant. It's incredibly common. Just shut up about it. (laughs) And I was like, yeah, man, I totally understand. But then I also thought, it is such a way in for so many people. And it is such an important plant in the wild calendar because by the time you get to that very early spring, the gardens are done. You're fed up with everything, and your body is crying out for something loaded with chlorophyll and flavour. And it's the first one to appear, you know, that really ticks that box. Unless you're lucky enough to live by the coast, and I think if 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 wild garlic is the way into a deeper interest in food for lots of people, then I'm they let them post about it, put put it up, go mad. I don't mind.
1: It's true because you don't know who's looking and who's reading, and I have to remember that because I've been foraging for what well 20 years if you don't include the childhood stuff and it started with fungi, but I love all, all wild foods. And I sometimes think, Oh, you know, wild garlic again or whatever. But then I think every year there's someone who goes, Oh my goodness, I didn't know about that. I tried it and it was amazing. And you've planted a seed with those people. So for one post out of a hundred in the, in the spring season or something, it's still worth mentioning that and, and putting links to recipes, even if they've been on your website for 15 years, there's still people who are discovering this and I have to rein in my own kind of, I'm looking for new things or I'm looking for something that's going to excite me or only posting more advanced stuff that I'm doing. And I'm interested in because that's where I'm at in my journey and not, and not bringing with me the people who are still at the beginning and are inspired by that stuff. And so I have to try and really mix it up and not, yeah. And and, and not forget to still post the most basic things with some ID features because they're relying on me for that as well. And yeah, it I know it can get sort of <laughs> wild <well> garlic central, <laughs> but it, it, actually, I've, I've had to pull myself up on thinking that as well because yeah. everyone yeah. is on a journey. And just because I'm looking for more interesting things to me because I've already got this now wealth of knowledge in this one subject, um I have to remember that there's, yeah. you know, some people have never used elderflowers or the confidence to pick their own blackberries i meet those people regularly on the courses and you forget that some people are three or four generations in of of, in their family not having grown let alone picked something from the wild Mm. they they don't have that Mm. knowledge Um, in their family it's not done
0: yeah and those are the people uh more often than not that are relying more heavily on on shop bought food perhaps they've got a busy life and haven't got time uh, to cook because they're doing other things they're juggling a million things and so the answer is to save time on food and you do that by buying food that's further removed from raw food so it's processed and even as you say even if it's well processed so even if it's something raw that you're is already chopped up for you and you're going to cook at home that starts mm. to lose its nutrient value and then it's chopped up so you don't recognize what it is and you can't see the quality and you don't know where it comes from all that stuff every single person every single time i see a post about wild garlic i think oh for goodness sake I then made myself think every single new person that picks a bit of wild garlic or eats a blackberry, that's one less gram or one less ounce of processed rubbish that they're going to eat that day. And I don't mean that in a condescending way. I like a Mars bar. Do you know what? I've even been known to have a Costa coffee from time to time on the motorway. Um, I cause a ruckus by bringing my own cup, but you know, that's, that's one of those, but you know, it, I don't I don't think we need an end to sugary treats I don't think we need even an end to you know the occasional fish pie from the from the freezer but no, no. A, a little bit more balance on on crappy processed food as you put it so succinctly would be great
1: yeah and, and of course there's a lot of very good processed food as well you know it's been pre- it's preserved so that it can be convenient you know most people don't have time to cook from scratch every day. If they're working till late and all these things you know it's nice to have the option for things that will freeze well or keep well whether you made it or someone else made it um so don't get me yeah, wrong i'm yeah. not against the supermarkets or shopping or anything it's just that and i think also people think you know oh you're a forager that you're going to be some kind of so <laughs> the only live on wild food and even people who've tried to do that <laughs> for a year i don't know if you've heard of fergus drennan but he he tried it for a year uh-huh, yeah He's yeah. he's epic. He is just again another person to follow. Uh, he is fantastic. Yeah. Um, and he yeah. tried it for a year, and it was really difficult because you the amount of energy you have to expend to pick and lay down and process enough stuff to live on for the period when not much is growing. Just like anything, yeah. this is why farming developed because you know doing one <laughs> thing on mass and then sharing that around everyone else who was spending their time doing another thing on mass, and you share and you swap. Yeah this is how this happened and because it is so labor intensive and if you can't hunt or fish as well then you're really screwed just living off plants certainly from the wild is very difficult to get enough calories it's virtually you know impossible so then you're waiting for the period when there's seeds and when there's big starchy roots and that's not all year um you know the diet gets very boring and, and and the amounts you have to collect of something to actually get enough energy if you're not supplementing it with other things so it's, yeah, that would actually be incredibly difficult. So for me, I'm a foodie. I'm not, a, I'm not, a, you know, surviving the woods on not tasty food, but um, I, I like to add it all to my diet as much as possible creatively and yeah, through yeah, flavors yeah, yeah. and, you know, so that's what it's about for yeah. me. Yeah. Well,
0: no, that's where I am too. I mean, I, you know, I virtually live on mushrooms in the autumn. Uh, and then I spend most of the winter eating venison. And then in the spring, mm. I'm desperate for my wild garlic and my nettles. Uh, but that's all supplemented with, you know, we grow our own pigs and we swap a bit of pork with a local guy who mm. grows a few sheep. I mean, as I say, you know, the emergence of agriculture in the Mesolithic period was for a very sensible reason. Didn't it? Yeah. Right. OK, OK. Um, I'm going off on one here. And no, we're, no. we're off track again. So,
1: so. that's the first so, one. Point number one.
0: <laughs> yeah, we've got rid of that. Crappy processed food. I'll give you a reset button for that. You can have that. Press that one. <laughs> number two. Lisa, give me give me point number two.
1: Wow. Well, um, I, I could really do without mince pies. I think they're an affliction on humanity and don't need to exist. But I think I'm a bit alone in that. <gasps> <laughs> mince pies? Oh, they're horrible. I can't deal with them. No. Oh, mince my pies. God. Oh, no. Not popular. <laughs>
0: Have you
1: never had a mince pie with blue cheese on the top? Oh, don't. I'm going to bump. No, it's just too much. Can't do it. It's something about the mixed peel, because I don't like hot crust buns for that reason. If they don't have that stuff in, I'm okay. I don't know what it is. Uh, probably. Let me
0: stand on Eccles.
1: <sighs> do you know what? If I had oh them now, it probably wouldn't be so bad, but it's just this ingrained problem from childhood. I eat pretty uh, much I everything, see. but something about dried fruit and pie. stuff like that, I just I don't enjoy it. Okay. So, I know it's not popular. Okay. No, no. Do you know what? It's fine.
0: It's absolutely fine. You can, you can have it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna let you have it because everything else around your foodie world is so good that mince pie. Um, I can oh, live with But it. and that's only really that's a that's a very seasonal threat.
1: It is. Yeah. Okay. I don't oh. like them. I wish I did because they look, they smell so good and the pastry's great. There's <laughs> yeah. uh, just something about the filling. I'd rather if they Uh, were actual mincemeat, it would be better. (laughs) Yes, yes, yes.
0: Oh, my God. So I've got to tell you this. Um, I was in uh, Scotland. My my big master plan, well, actually, my wife's big master plan that I'm going along with because I think it's brilliant, is that we're going to move to Scotland from Right? That's our our big plan. Um, And uh, we were up in Perth having a little wander around with the kids in the city because we'd done several days of driving around looking Hmm. at different parts of and visiting schools and stuff, and I went to this, uh, I went to this Scotch pie bakery shop where they only do Scotch pies and a couple of other things. And it was like a quid. And the woman looked at me and said, "Do you want a hot one straight from the oven?" I was like, "Yes, <laughs> clearly I want a hot one straight yeah. from the oven." Uh, I had to lean over the gutter by in the street to eat it because there's this much mutton fat dripping out of it. <laughs> But right now, if you said to me, would you like a mince pie or would you like this scotch pie? I would say, hands down, scotch pie all the way. I know. Yeah, I, OK.
1: Because I, I always try to keep testing things to make sure that I haven't changed my mind. And um, they still haven't won me over yet. There was like olives. Like I, okay. all my friends who I respected loved olives and I just couldn't deal with them. This was years ago. And I just kept trying them until about the 20th time. It was like, oh, so maybe it'll happen
0: okay well and actually you can have i mean there are a lot of olives that you eat and you think i wish i hadn't eaten that because uh-huh. just because it's an olive doesn't mean it's a good one
1: um so like what about the,
0: the rest what about the rest of dried fruit i mean do you muesli is that a kind of thing you, you're into or yeah
1: if it's got the bits i like yeah it's 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 a funny one it's, it's not okay. a cut and dried thing. Right. <laughs> no, that's
0: fine, that's fine. I, I'll let you have mince pie. I mean, you're entitled to your opinions and lots of people <laughs> don't like mince pies. I personally do like them, but I, I try to limit how many come into the house uh, during the festive period uh, <laughs> because I have a little bit of a problem with them. Um uh, in that I struggle to just have one. So uh, so I think maybe I should <laughs> I, I should learn to hate mince pies as well. I might be a bit oh, less broke Oh, that would
1: be sad if you love them. But but my whole family is yeah. the same. None of us like it. We don't like Christmas cake, Christmas puddings. So I wonder if it's just this genetic oh. thing. We, we don't like them. Yeah. We have a chocolate Mate. Guinness cake as our Christmas cake. Every year. Oh,
0: okay. All right. All right. Okay. A chocolate Guinness cake.
1: Oh, yeah the big white frosting on the top oh yeah that's our christmas cake and it's (laughs) holly on it and yeah we decorate it beautiful tell me more so is it
0: is it got guinness in it
1: yeah so it's based on a nigella lawson recipe that's been around for a long time i think it was originally in her book feast possibly but um yeah it's, it's got actual guinness in it the sponge is black and deep and it has got and everything as well, but it's just rich and moist and really good. And then the frosting on top is a cream cheese based one, so it just the slice oh. just looks like a pint, you know. And um, yeah. so, for the snowy kind of Christmas cake thing, it really works. Um, but it's just that because we used to get them because the grandparents liked it, but none of us would ever eat it. And once we were no longer having the grandparents, it was like, why are we doing this? No one likes this. So, I said, you know what, I've had make this cake before i'll bring one and now every year they're like please can you make the cake please can you make the cake <laughs> so i can't claim to have invented it but um it's absolutely a family tradition and has been for about a decade or so at least
0: brilliant i do love a stout like a nice bottle conditioned stout or with with a bit of chocolate malt in the brew that is pretty well cute.
1: that's actually what i use i don't use Guinness. i use um oh, you know a chocolate porter or something yeah
0: Okay, okay, okay. So you were just quietly keeping that actual fact to yourself there. Uh, and okay, I see how this. <laughs> no, goes. No, I just remembered I when you said goes. it there.
1: Yeah. Also, oh I've put,
0: yeah, yeah. I've put
1: yeah, elderberry yeah, yeah. in the icing before as well. That's quite nice. Elderberry vinegar in the icing, so it's swirly on top. Oh, yeah. A bit of wild. Yes.
0: <laughs> Elder is a tree that keeps coming up, isn't it? There's so much folklore attached to that oh, tree.
1: Oh, there is. Yeah. It. It was very. Um, yeah it's it's revered but also feared so I think more on the sort of Christian side of the house because it was so associated with paganism and sort of hedge witchery and all of that kind of thing I think it, it was suspected and it, it was something they thought as suspicious and that would be against sort of whatever they thought Christianity is um, but I think that's a lot to do with the folklore in Britain that the more pagan or earth loving side of beliefs and ways of life were associated with that stuff rather than that there's anything in the bible about it for example so i think it's very much to do with british sort of folklore and and why that's sort of in there in the english translations of things but um yeah there's a lot of magic and mystique associated with it i mean just harry potter for example the elder wand is the most powerful wand and it's all sort of all part of that isn't it
0: yeah interesting interesting yeah and um, it's, a, it's a remarkable plant because I don't know what it's like around you um, but around here what they do is every summer once the, the hedge, the birds that live in the hedges are all fledged they get in their tractors and they drive along and they flail the hedge rows which is slightly upsetting but around here we're lucky because we've got a lot of laid hedges as well but certain certain hedges by roads and whatever have to be flailed so they flail them um, and you think oh no just cut that elder right back and then yet. Yeah, Next year, you're grateful because you get the early elderflowers that grow on the old growth of the bigger trees and the more established bushes. And then just when you think it's all over, the ones that were cut back the year before suddenly have sprouted from the hedgerow and suddenly decide to flower. And you get another much, much smaller, but another little hmm. sort of last minute harvest to get that second chance. I quite I quite like that. So it is almost like there's something magical about them. Right, so um, processed food has gone. Mm. And mince pies, um, you are going to call Well, just, just I mean, yeah,
1: Christmassy type, dried fruit, yeah. old-style cakes and stuff. I, for whatever reason, my whole family hate them. So I blame them. I no, think that's it's okay. That's okay.
0: That's okay. <laughs> but, but brace yourself, because I think probably... All four of the people that listen to the madams cast are going to write in and complain about that one, but that, that's, it. that's okay. That's okay.
1: I'm, I'm gonna sorry. let you
0: I'm sorry, uh, <laughs> no, you're not sorry at all. I can tell well, right. Number three,
1: I, I wish I loved them. You are. Um, number three, oh, okay. well, I was struggling to think of it specifically within the, the food industry. I mean, there's so much stuff I could seriously say or whatever, but the other thing that I kind of wish, sort of in the world more related to that, is vans. I have a camper van and I travel all around the country in it doing my foraging, hanging out with other foragers, collecting different things, learning about different environments, as well as being at home and just learning my local area inside out. You know, there's sort of two sides to my foraging for me. Um, And vans, there is just... We're getting there with electric vehicles and eco-friendly stuff, but having a van that's big enough to live in that isn't running on diesel is still really hard to find or afford. Um, they're not really a, a a thing yet. So that that's the one thing I think about my sort of life and practices that is lagging behind the other efforts to try and be more eco-friendly and things. And because I want to travel yeah. and I do that a lot, you know, I do a lot of miles every year in my one vehicle and oh, I'm, I'm just longing for the day when I can afford you know, by the time they've got to be second-hand or whatever so I can afford one, a, a proper electric or hybrid or something, big, you know, van, um, the, That Um, the day that comes, I will be really happy because it will enable yeah. me to go around yeah. sort of a little less guiltily than I am at the minute whenever I drive anywhere. Yeah, yeah. Well, I could just stay local, some... but then I wouldn't learn about all these amazing environments. We're two and a half hours from yeah, the coast yeah. here. I love the city. Yeah yeah it's really yeah. hard it's the one thing that i struggle with I, actually a lot
0: well, i drive a van and i've i thought the same thing i thought i need it i need a more environmentally friendly option to my van because if i'm going to go and cook for someone in northumberland from devon and i'm going up there yeah. for a
1: week
0: I need to take some stuff with me, right and and yeah. that requires a vehicle into which you can get stuff and actually interestingly mm-hmm. an empty van is incredibly frugal Um, in terms of how much diesel it will use. So it's not a massively policing thing. Obviously when it's fully laden, then you've got more weight moving, so you're gonna use more fuel, but it's not that much more um, thing. One of the things that I always keep in mind though, when I'm thinking about that, is something a friend of mine who's a mechanic said, and he said, number one, hybrid vehicles, forget about it, because you've still got a petrol engine in there, and all the time you're using it, you are dragging around, a really heavy electric generator with you and a massive battery. So he said, forget about that. Mm. Number two, he said, it's fine. When the technology's there and they've worked out how to sustainably cause batteries that work or come up with other ways of storing the energy long-term, which is a big challenge for the green power industry because once you've generated electricity, it's very difficult to store it. Batteries at the moment mostly rely on cobalt, which is unfortunately very environmentally damaging to acquire Mm. um anyway i'm I'm not anti-electric vehicle let's get there so electric vehicles he said brilliant phase them in i mean this mad drive at the moment to suddenly get everyone in them Mm. great in the long term but in the short term you know you've still got to build all those vehicles no matter what they run on you've still got to build them all so that is consuming a whole load of stuff yeah so if everyone suddenly gets out of their hydrocarbon burning cars and into electric vehicles, well, then you've 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 left a whole load of vehicles that still had a useful life yes, um, yes. by the wayside. And, 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 and there's that to try and get your head around. But I am I am with you. I wish I could do a few more of my mark. And have you tried getting on the train with a basket, a cool box and a, and a big, big tub full of pans and chef knives?
1: And two <laughs> cats in my case, like they come with me as well. Um, oh my, God. <laughs> my adventure cats come with me. Um, now it, it's great because I, I went for a van in the end because I could keep all my course gear in there pizza oven a lot like it's all under the bed in there. Um, and I go away for say a month around Scotland every year at least you know and, and do all that stuff. So it, it is it's economical in that sense. It's just that it is diesel and I'm just looking forward to the day when all that development has happened and it's it's refined and it's not so damaging on every possible front you can think of that we can use much more solar power from the roof and all this stuff that could power that vehicle and pull that weight um and have the infrastructure in the country as well to be able to charge as you go and all that sort of thing so i can't wait for the technology to be better for vehicles because i do still think that's one area that i'm not as good as other areas of my life that I have control over and I think it's just because the stuff isn't there yet um, but it'll head that way, I have every faith, but it's just a bit impatient well, they... I guess, I want to be doing that better and I, I don't have the power to do that yet, um, so I'm just trying to look after this vehicle and, and keep it going as long as possible, keep it clean, keep the filters yeah. clean, you know, all the stuff you can do but ultimately it's still diesel um, and I do a lot of miles in it every year because it's my only vehicle um, They have a A
0: train in France, I think, goes all the way down to to Santander in Spain. I don't know why I think that, but that's what I think. And you can drive onto it, and then the train runs on electric. And so what you can do is you can take your vehicle, right? So, for example, perfect for a camper van or a touring van, because you can take your vehicle, hop it on the train, trundle down using nice, clean, generated green electricity, on a comfortable train you're not driving all that way and then when you get to the next bit that you want to get out and have a poodle around that you get off the train drive your vehicle off and, and away you go i think maybe we, maybe we could have a word with government and get them to sort out something like that between you know devon leeds and scotland
1: yeah just make the m1 that that'd be great <laughs> <laughs> the, M, the m1 Perfect. escalator on the side that you all just pile on and just get taken down at 70 miles an hour you know and be perfect
0: <laughs> it sounds good to me it sounds good to me um okay brilliant and oh, motorways are funny aren't they i'm always amazed by the resilience of wild plants because you're oh quite my goodness, driving yes. down the motorway and you go hold on a minute there's a whole bank of alexander's in the middle of the m5 <laughs> yeah
1: yeah giant hogweed you see a lot there as well because um they don't get it's removed nasty. there because they're not touching anybody but they are so impressive yeah. they're, they're just prehistoric beautiful plants so most people say oh i you got a picture of giant hogweed. I'm like, well, the ones I see are kind of in the middle of the central reservation of the M62, so I can't really. Um, but I've
0: got some growing here coming up, yeah. Have a I think mine. there's a bit Any more of a life? problem
1: down south, probably because it all escaped from Kew originally, perhaps. But, um, the other thing is, if you look in the central reservations, there's loads of uh, Danish scurvy grass as well, which is salt loving, that's a coastal plant, but it's it's migrated down our major routes because we salt the roads, yeah. And yeah. so the central reservation is full of coastal salt marshy plants. It's really beautiful. I think we
0: should point out that the middle of a busy motorway is not a good place to go foraging.
1: <laughs> no. I have done it. I have done it.
0: I've picked, Really? <laughs> um, giant yeah, I picked, picked giant mustard in the central reservation of wow. um, of the M five, but I was in a three hour traffic jam.
1: Oh, I yeah, so no ones. <laughs> I,
0: I had a whole load of bread rolls in the back. I was coming back from a job. Somewhere, and I had a whole load of bread rolls and some bacon, so I set up an impromptu bacon van, bacon sandwich van,
1: by the time I
0: sort of sorted out all the, all the people nearby in their cars with a bacon sandwich, and Don't someone giving that. me a cup of tea, very kindly. Um, I then sort of picked this mustard and uh, just, just for fun, really, because it oh, was I think, probably quite polluted. But, um, yeah. Wow. Okay, yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> we need a better solution for people whose lives involve vans that's a yeah. bit greener.
1: Because I mean, obviously, mine's a nice. Mine's more of a, a choice and a lifestyle than it's my income, like delivery, you know, um, couriers and all that sort of thing. But it's still an issue because there are so many vehicles across the country that need bigger vehicles and at the minute. We don't have good options for it, so I'm looking forward to that day. And um, I think yeah. the environment will massively benefit, in if you talk in net terms, in the end when that's an option. Um, yeah i know it's not directly related to food but it is for me because it it enables me to go and travel i'm gonna let you have it more
0: oh fine you have it that's all right you can definitely have but it's real forage mobile electrical
1: forage mobile that's what i need
0: (laughs) now i don't know it's a dangerous one i don't know how you feel about shooting um so i won't necessarily tell Uh, i just
1: don't have the skills that's the only issue i have with it at
0: the end of last year or the beginning of this year to go somewhere and do a bit of sheeting and uh, at the end of the day the guy said oh do you want some of the stuff we've shot I said oh yes please he said how much do you want?" I said well as much of it as you want to give away mate yeah <laughs> and I amazing. went the back in my van and in there I had a stack of baker's crates and he looked at me and he went you're a prepared person aren't you <laughs> I was like there's a lot of food in my life <laughs> <laughs> I need to I need a bag for the things to collect stuff in that's how it works
1: well, well i've Brilliant. dragged whole right deers egg. and shut them in the back before you know because they're there they've just been you know they're hit and unfortunately you know fatally um and i yeah. i i always have a boning knife in the in the back because um you know you can you don't have to take the whole deer you can just take the leg off or take the loins out of the top and just gently sort of put them back in the hedge or whatever and let the badgers and things have it after that but you know, that could feed me for several days on a wild camping trip. So I I always pick up fresh roadkill if I I see it. um, Good for you. I love that. I love using the the things I find along the way. I never really plan my meals when I'm away like that see what I find.
0: No, brilliant. That's the ultimate foraging. Yeah, fantastic. (laughs) Um, Accidental meat. Lovely Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Well, there's a thing to be said for that. I mean, there's a lot against. There's a lot of arguments against meat, and I totally, I totally get a lot of them. I understand mm-hmm. where they're coming from. Um, some of them, I think, perhaps slightly short-sighted. But there's lots of incidental meat within our, within our uh, environment that that we should take advantage of. You know, I mean, deer is an obvious one, whether roadkill or whether managed for mm-hmm. for um, whatever purpose. Avian pests like like pigeons that are shot to protect crops to not eat that meat is then just insanity I know. Um, so that yeah is, I on that.
1: that is something that I end up arguing with people a lot about because um, you know I think some people are willfully or otherwise ignorant of the fact that any crop grown in this country will pretty much without exception have had control of rabbits, pigeons and deer You know, involved in it and we're not eating those and i think that's just absolutely scandalous and it's done for the to protect the crops that everyone whatever their eating habits are eating um and i think people who think that their lives involve no cruelty to you know or no involvement of deaths of animals in their vegetarian or vegan diet i think that's very short-sighted and not true in many cases unless they've grown it in their own garden and they know exactly what's happened with it if it's come from the supermarket then it it, and it's grown on a farm somewhere then there almost certainly will have been um control of rabbits and things and i've always thought like yeah we should do a cat food brand or something just something just just because cats are obligate carnivores and they need to eat meat. so if at the very least, if, if there's not enough people eating them, then we should use them for something like that at least. It's just it's scandalous that those things get just piled up and buried or burnt because no one is eating them. Because they're perfectly healthy. Well, free.
0: yeah, yeah, and it, and part of the food production system. So as you say, complete madness not to use them, and, and a lot of them do get used, but there are a few there are yeah. a few holes through which things can slip for sure. I think it's
1: better now than it oh.
0: was. Yeah, but, definitely, um, Lisa. Yeah. It's This is brilliant. I wouldn't expect it now to come
1: up. Well, like I said, I like all wild food. And although most people come interested about mushrooms and plants or seaweeds, if it's a coastal one, um, and I I do tend to do vegetarian, if not vegan food on my courses because I only want to cook one set of food and it's just easier to do that. But sometimes I say, look, we're going to have seafood on this one or we're going to have meats on this one. And that's what we're doing. So bear that in mind. Um, but yeah, I personally cook and eat everything that that I can that fits within other sets of ethics around sustainability and um, yeah, yeah
0: quality, yeah, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. Well, what fish is the one everyone almost seems to forget. I mean, most people, even if even if they only interact with food at the supermarket, will have a packet of fish fingers in their freezer. And I'm like, well, that is wild food, guys. You know, most of it you is,
1: shouldn't yeah, forget right. that. Yeah yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, You can't really yeah. farm cod. Oh,
0: right. Yeah, well, we can't start diving into no, that. No, no, no. Let's have get time. back to,
1: <laughs> we'll back come to... I'm going to let you
0: come on again. I'll let you come on again and we'll have another chat about a whole load of different
1: <laughs> stuff. Like, like,
0: anytime, so cool. anytime. Brilliant. Thanks thanks a lot for giving up uh, an hour of your life to talk to me. And not only an hour of your life, but 15 minutes of technological faffing <laughs> at the
1: beginning as well. So yeah, we'll spare we'll everybody that, that part, time. won't we? Um <laughs>
0: I should record the outtakes, really, of the hello, hello, hello. Can you hear me now? <laughs> okay. Um,
1: <Yeah. laughs>
0: uh, I would like to move out of the sort of main part and into the, the wind-up bit of the sure. past, if that's okay with you. Um, so you get to choose a food book that you would read if you were stuck on a desert island. Now, the desert island, in your case, I'm quite happy for that to be your van with your cats in the <laughs> middle of a nice woodland bay can have that there that's fine or maybe overlooking the coast in scotland and i want to know what you're going to drink while you read it or peruse it and you then get to nominate someone alive dead real or fictitious to come on the madam's cast they don't have to commit to that it's just a bit of fun okay
1: (laughs) Ooh, well i have a lot of books that i really love um as i'm sure you do the ones i'm enjoying at the minute are more about fermentation and things like that which i've been into for a while but it needs time and space and i've been trying to make more time and space for fermentation um so there's one guy um whose books i've been i've had for quite a long time but i haven't done much with it so i I would if i had the time because i was stuck on an island for a while ideally like aaron or something um (laughs) i would i'd probably take here's three books which are sort of three parts of one for me um it, it's pascal Boudar. i don't know if i'm saying his name right he's a belgian guy okay. he lives in uh, la or around california and he does the most amazing stuff with his local invasive plants but also just things that grow there plus his knowledge of european plants and things is, is amazing and he's just doing the most wonderful stuff through fermentation um and I find it really inspiring. I've been growing Koji and things as well. He doesn't do that, but other people do, but um, just trying to umamify things up a little bit, bring in those good bacteria and everything. So there's lots of that I'm still really teaching myself about and following people who know this stuff and learning from them and I'm loving all of that. So the stuff he creates, there's amazing drinks as well as dishes, um, sauces and, and condiments and teas and just, just the whole range. So. I'm finding him very always have found him very inspiring. So I think I'd take those and really read them cover to cover, which I've been meaning to do. <laughs> um that's what oh, I would do.
0: That's good. That's good. And and you want me to just let you have three books when you're only allowed one. Well, okay, I'd
1: just take one of those, whichever one. I was in the middle of <laughs> <laughs> It I'll might not it. be good. To, it might not be good to take just the drink one actually. I suppose I'd have to take the food one, yeah. <laughs> if, it, if I'm surviving yes. there at the same time. Um. <laughs> <laughs> okay well what are you what are
0: you going to drink while you read it that's you're oh, allowed wow. to have some drink
1: so i could either make some sodas and things or whatever from whatever's around in the sun just let them you know ferment just because what you can do is you can you can take things along your trip and just keep putting them in the bottle and they'll sort of fizz over the next few days and then you enjoy it at the end of your your journey i, I like doing that you know, honeysuckle or whatever you're passing stick it in um, that's quite fun but I think I don't know I made a cocktail the other day which has lots of fir trees in it and things so that's very good for Scotland for oh, example. so it was um, That's a- yeah I've called it a reek Grand Fir Sour because um, there is the grand fir I don't know if you've ever tasted it but it tastes like tangerine it's incredible um, so I had Uh-oh. some of that in there so it was a blitzed up fir vodka um, but it also had larch in so it, the other name for it was the lockdown larch angel but it doesn't quite work spoken so yeah um, <laughs> It it works written down, but it doesn't work spoken, so I've I've ditched that. But, um, yeah. And larch.
0: Larch larch has sort of connotations of corporal punishment as well. So I'm not sure what a larch angel would be. It sounds like something that, you know, perhaps they sell in a seedy, a basement shop in a large city somewhere.
1: (laughs) Um, It's really, (laughs) you know, really fresh and green and lovely. It has lovely um, citrusy notes because it's a bit more lemon. Larch is a bit more lemony, spruce is lemony. Douglas fir is grapefruit. And then you've got your which is tangerine and it's just you know in a in a sour drink it's very nice um, i had some sherbet around the top as well made of the needles and stuff um oh
0: man that's but, cool you know,
1: egg white on the top foam or or egg free foam uh, um, yeah with flowers on obviously so yeah i'd have something like that <laughs>
0: Yeah, just casually chuck together this amazing Oh, cocktail. And, and I love on. making
1: wild cocktails, especially if you're speaking to Mark Williams, you'll get loads of that stuff. Um, talk to him about that because not only does he know everything about all wild foods, and he's in the most perfect spot because he's got coast, woods, everything right on his doorstep. He's been doing it a long time and he, he's right into the wild foods. So um, he's, a, he's a great source of inspiration on that for sure.
0: It sounds like a good guy. Now... Who are you going to nominate for a future guest on the Madam's cast?
1: Um, well, you've already said you're going to speak to Mark, so I can't nominate him. But I would have. Um, there's another lady up in Scotland uh, called M- uh, Monica Wild, and she is fascinating because she's a medical herbalist, but she's an avid forager and foodie. Um, so you might get some more aspects on your food and stuff if you speak to her. Um,
0: I actually have had interaction with Monica Wild before. Because oh, well, there you go. I... I sent her a bag of dried um, dried seps that I had not picked in the United Kingdom anywhere near Devon um, and she sent me three, a little bottle of tincture of some sort, I think which oh, is Yeah, yeah, that all sounds like Mo <laughs> um, yeah, 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 but that was a few years ago, and you're right, I hadn't thought about her I think oh, she's, an she excellent can, guess.
1: yeah, she'll chat about all sorts of amazing subjects that she knows about, yeah, she's, oh, she's right, fantastic. fantastic always going to visit her when I go through Scotland oh, so well, and why not, and why not
0: um, yeah, yeah. Well, it is a lovely place to be, and so is Shetland, which is where I've just tried to book a holiday and been told I'm not allowed to. At the <laughs> so, I'm,
1: I'm might be a good bit a little for bit
0: that. From that. Yeah, yeah, I just thought by the end of August, a couple of weeks in Shetland might just sort me out quite nicely. But
1: do they have um, any the moment,
0: trees there? Uh, I don't know because I haven't been yet.
1: Ah. Well, because I went to the Outer Hebrides, so I did a van trip with the cats, and we just went all around the Outer Hebrides a couple of years ago, and it wasn't until I got back to Ullapool that I just realised I haven't seen trees for like nine days, and I couldn't understand why I was feeling a bit unsettled, and that's what it was, it's, I like trees, and I like greenery, and I like the woods. Um, it was yeah. epic, and it was yeah. beautiful, and the beaches, oh my goodness, and the seaweeds, but... It was something was missing, and I realised that yeah, I probably couldn't live out there because there's no trees. Really Well, there weird. you go. See if you notice when you but go. That's why going.
0: <laughs> that's why going into the wilderness is often a good thing because it teaches you what you need in your life and the things that you miss. It really does. But that's a whole conversation right there. Lisa, I'm not going to take you up any more of your weekend. Thank you so so much
1: great, for coming on. Been. It's
0: been a Oh, yeah, it really has. And the nicest thing about these podcasts for me is that I'm finally getting to talk to all the interesting people that I've wanted to talk to for ages but never quite got round to. Um, And so doing that for a purpose of of, uh, creating some podcasts to share with other people has turned out to be a massively... Positive thing for me, so I'm really, I'm really enjoying it, and I'm really grateful for your time, and I'm looking forward to meeting you in person the next yeah. time. I'm passing Leeds.
1: passing Leeds or if we happen to be in Scotland at the same time, because I do go several times a year, because I think, like you, one day I will be up there. Um, you know, maybe we may also end up in the same part of the world at the same time.
0: Brilliant, brilliant. I'm allergic storage. to cats, though. Well, you know, to
1: cats. they're not, they don't, they're pretty allergic to other people, to be honest. so I wouldn't worry. Oh, great. <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's the kind of relationship I can handle. Yeah, that's fine. Uh, brilliant, Lisa. Thanks so much for being a guest, and enjoy the rest of your life. I'm going to keep following you on Instagram at Edulous Wild Foods, and I'm 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 just going to do that, and I hope everyone else will too. And I recommend your courses, although I've never been on one. They look brilliant. From the you're welcome so
1: anytime. You, so.
0: And you've clearly got the knowledge, and I, I'm quite tempted to sign you up to a little Christmas uh, mince pie package.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you never know, that might be the one that converts me. <laughs> Excellent.
0: All the best. Thanks for coming on. To Bye. Bye.